Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 131. It's Jimmy and Steve here tonight. Brandon unable to join us, so it's just the two of us tonight. We're recording about 24 hours or so after Roma's uh, nil-nil draw on Mother's Day against Bologna. Jim, welcome back. We haven't had you for a couple weeks, and I guess just in terms of the match, I guess it's kind of what we expected. Yeah, I would say so. Um, Given how much of a... uh rotation there was going into this Bologna match I wasn't expecting much I was hoping for something along the lines of a scoreless draw which would mean that you know Zvilar and the Primavera kids played up to you know mid-table Serie A standard which is what we got I will say that I want it to be noted that this might be the first time in the history of the podcast where Brandon's out and we didn't get totally crushed that yeah. like because because that's always what happens that he he manages to find a reason to not be around when we lose three zero four zero, uh. But this time around, it was just a scoreless draw. So maybe maybe on that note, we'll be able to like start stringing together some wins regardless of who's doing the recording of the podcast. Yeah, he ghosted us after the Atalanta match last time. I think right. Yeah, that was that was it. Bergamo. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. You mentioned the the lineup. I think it's important in in the context of talking about this match. The heavy rotation. It was expected. You put it in the match preview. I didn't even bother doing a probables because you covered it so well in the match preview. This this was expected. Um, you know, Mourinho mentioned so many tired players on the roster besides the injured players. So Svilar got the starting goal. Rodri Bani is the only regular center back in the back three. Uh, Cristante was in the center of that back three, like he has been for the past few matches. The small and, and Lorente and Kambula's injuries back there. Um, Salik played more as a, a right center back than a right wing back in this one. It was uh, Mizori getting the, I guess, starting debut for Roma at the right wing back. Zalewski at left wing back. Um, Kamara, Tahirovic, and then it was uh, Gini Winhaldum in the in the center of the park with Solbach and Mbalotti. And obviously the young kids stand out. Also what was important in this one too, I think was, uh, before we even get to them, was Winhaldum. Started, played 53 minutes, getting those legs back, hopefully for the return leg on Thursday, it looks like. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's up in the air on some of those players for Thursday. Uh, I know that it said that Dybala was trying, training outside of the group. Uh, I'm a little worried about that. But at the same time, do we really doubt Jose Mourinho's ability to uh, get a 0-0 draw? in a match where maintaining a zero zero draw will result in advancement in the European cup. I'm not that worried about that. And at the same time, I would also say that I've been seeing so many news updates in the, from the premier league, from Serie A, from a lot of places about players who are now out for the season because of some injury they suffered in a relatively meaningless match. So I've just been seeing that as like good karma for resting our players every now and then. And the Bologna match was a key example of a match where on some levels it would have been great to have Dybala, Smalling, the like available. But I'll take the draw with the knowledge that we can kind of go into this second leg of the semifinal a lot stronger than we would be otherwise. Yeah, I think it was important to rest players. I mean, when we went into this match, Lazio had already dropped points. Milan dropped points right before. Um, Atalanta had lost. So... 
were, was there an opportunity to maybe try to like claw their way back into the top four race with with a win? Sure, um, with Lazio looking the most uh, vulnerable, I guess, this weekend after Juve and Inter both won. But even if, if even if Roma had won, there's still four back with three left. And is that worth playing some of these players? I, I don't think so. I think it's at this point, really, probability-wise, using just pure numbers, got to be more likely to win Thursday and then a Europa League final than to try to claw back from four points back with three matches to play, considering Lazio has a pretty weak schedule and, and all that kind of things that go into it. So I'm, I was happy with rotation. I, I thought the young players... Tahirovich, Missouri, these guys, Svilar, I thought was pretty good. They didn't look out of place. Roma still kept Bologna to a 0-0 draw, Uh, a Bologna side that's been been pretty much right around the mid-table position. They're 11th after the uh, draw, so they got bumped down a spot by Torino, but they've been pretty good. And, you know, Orsolini's having a really good season offensively for them. I think he's been one of the, like, uh, not not breakout stars, but kind of a bright spots in the league for like a younger type Italian player. And uh, they kept him pretty reined in, I thought. So overall, I thought you have to be kind of happy with the performance. Sure, it would have been nice to score, but nobody got injured, right, that we know of at least. That, that's going to be a major blow. Guys got some rest. Even the players that came in like Pellegrini and Mancini, they didn't play a lot of minutes. So I, I think those are all positives to take from this one. Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. And I would also just add, for those of you who have been following Roma for long enough, you probably noticed that Skorupski was in the net for uh, Bologna. Talk about a throwback. Um, But like, he's also just developed into like, not a Champions League, Europa League, or even like European level goalkeeper, but he is a solid mid-table goalkeeper. And if you look at Bologna's stats so far for this season in terms of goals allowed, you know, they only have three more goals allowed than Milan. They only have two more than Atalanta. Like Roma's been pretty tight in the in the defense, so they have eleven more than Roma. But they're they're cl- clubs that are in and around those um, European spots who have very similar goal to, goals allowed to Bologna. So it's not like they were a pushover in the way that you might expect, you know, a Salernitana, a Cremonese, a Sampdoria to be this season. Um, they're a true mid-table side, and being a true mid-table yeah. side means that. On their day, they can probably beat a top side, and on their but you know the convex is that on on their day they can also lose to a smaller side. So like, I guess I would say that the fact that Roma was able to get away with a point and was able to play some younger players and get them Serie A experience, uh, that's that's key for Roma going forward. And until Roma develops more depth or buys more depth, um, it's going to be key, especially towards the end of the season for the manager to allow for younger players to play because that's the only real way he's going to be able to figure out if these young players have what it takes to be in a Serie A environment consistently. Um, And we all know that Roma's finances make it that they can't just have a Manchester City two starting 11s worth of players. Some of these players are going to eventually become like Zalewski's, are going to become like Bove's, who are at, at the very least rotation options and at the most mm-hmm. a consistent part of the starting 11 so i i liked what i saw overall yeah i agree and uh hey don't don't sell salernitana short they beat out alonso saturday yeah, we, we play yeah. them next monday after leverkusen so who knows that, that might come back to bite us but um yeah i mean when you compare this to what a team like milan did after losing the champions league on wednesday then they they went out and lost two nothing against spezia you say you know what i take that zero zero and the, the fact we didn't get embarrassed by that lower level team or, you know, hurt our confidence going into the return. Like, I think, I think those are good things too. And 
you know, Dybala, they, he didn't come to this match. I know they, they kept smalling out. I know they had traveled to, like, road matches earlier in the couple weeks ago where you're like, oh, I thought they're not available, but maybe Mourinho brought them along for moral support or whatever. This one, there was there was none of that, right? It was just pretty much who's, whoever's playing and whoever's available. Did and, we ever figure uh, out what went along with uh, El Shirawi? He was warming up at one point, and then I saw some Mourinho say something along the lines of, like, he's not even close to being – Available. I swear to God, I saw him warming up. He did, up, he did up. warm up in that in this one, right? I, I could have sworn I saw him too, and I was yeah. like, I thought what the guy's like done status? for the that season. Was, I thought he was done for. Like he penned like an Instagram post where he was like, "I'm really sad to not be able to play more matches." And then I was so I was like, "Okay, he's done." In, maybe not in as definitive way as like Max Kambula, but like I thought he was done. And yeah. to see him in a penny warming up on the side. What's going on there? <laughs> Which is weird because I'm looking back at the the box score and they don't have him listed in the substitutes bench. I don't know what that was about. Um, mm-hmm. see Maybe like he just wanted there. to get some cardio. In. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping Fadi Conti or one of those other young players we haven't seen yet would have gotten a, a look later in the match. But uh, we didn't get to see him. Um, yeah, Spina, they rested Spina for the whole match, which I think is good. He's been, he's been overworked a bit. Um, you know, Bove yeah. got some – I think – for a kid like Bove coming in in the 53rd minute, I think these are more good minutes for him because he might need to be relied on on Thursday, depending on the injury situation along the back. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Smalling is going to be ready. I don't know if Lorente is going to be ready. It might be Cristante again. So then it's, you know, pretty much Matic, Winhaldum, and then Bove is your, your next guy up. So, yeah. um, so I'm a whole lot less worried about Bove being the next guy up at this point. Um, yeah. And I was about even a week ago. And I think that the first reason that we can point to for that brings us to another match that we should probably talk about, which is, you know, that that first leg 1-0 victory over uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, we're not going to dwell on this Bologna match for too long. I think we covered it because first 0-0 draw. And and, and one just one quick thing I heard during the broadcast, it was Roma's first 0-0 draw of the season uh, in terms of Serie A season. So that's impressive to go all the way to week 35 before they had a 0-0 draw, considering... Roma sometimes having trouble scoring goals and the the good defensive record. So I thought that was just an interesting tidbit I heard during the match. I, I did not expect that. Um, yeah, I was know. about to make a snippy comment about Rui Patricio, but then I remember that our defense has actually been pretty solid this yeah. year, so I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's pretty good that we haven't had a 0-0 draw. I remember, man, it was like the dregs of the Rudy Garcia end of that, that era yeah. of just oh. being like 0-0, 0-0, 0-0, Oh, they lost this time. Zero, 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 zero. And this like stutter stepping to the end of that season and being like, I guess we, you know, whatever. It's so yeah. hard. To, it's so hard to care when it's that many draws in a row. Um, and I will say something about the, the Jose Mourinho era, era of, uh, of Roma. You always find a way to care. Yeah, well, when he keeps you in cup competitions like this one up into the semifinals for the second yeah, exactly. straight season. It uh it definitely adds to the caring. So uh definitely on the, the 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 draw point, give me a scoring draw any day. I'd rather a defense make a mistake somewhere and draw two two or something than to have a you know drub nil nil over and over and over again because those are the worst. That's like the old city on. Uh, I definitely take a few more goals I, yeah. as much as the uh, old school city up kind of purists would rather have like those Catanacho matches probably, but. I take it. I'll take the 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 two two three three exciting ones that we get once in a while. Um, but going back to Leverkusen, overall, I thought I thought Roma played a very solid match. I thought Mourinho game planned very well, which we expect of him. And 
Roma now in knock, um, you know, home legs of these two-legged affairs. I think it's got to be pushing seven or eight matches now under Mourinho that they have won every time uh, at home. And then what happens, you know, trend-wise has been if they start on the road first, it's either a close loss by one goal or a draw kind of kind of situation. And then at home, Roma finds a way to get a 1-0 win, a, a 2 two nothing, whatever they need enough to get through. It happens. Or if it's a reverse, we're like this. They start at home. They find a way to get at least a narrow win. And then they, they do enough on the road to either nail it down or get a, a one goal win again. So in terms of what we've seen from Mourinho Roma's now in these two-legged affairs, this kind of fits the bill so far. Yeah. And I mean, man, what a difference a couple of years makes because this is the exact opposite of what I was used to for Roma for so long. And you mean look, just go get hammered in the first leg and have no hope in the second leg? Yeah. Like, and sure, it created some beautiful moments. Like, I will never forget that Manolis goal, for example. I will never forget Roma nearly coming back from another similar Liverpool drumming. But at the same time, God, that, that does that weigh on your soul when that happens. Yeah. Um, and it makes you just not believe in Roma's ability to win anything whatsoever. Like it was like bad. It was the bad news bears style, like watching Roma. And I did not, I didn't enjoy it. And for, so as much as Mourinho gets a flack, sometimes deservedly so for not necessarily playing like La Magica style of, of football, we need to start somewhere. And the fact that we can feel like you and I, I think we would both say that we're feeling relatively confident going forward into the second leg of the semifinal. The fact that we don't think that Roma is just going to have a Roma happened of gargantuan proportions says something about the mentality shift that Roma has been able to have over the past couple years. And it makes me a whole lot more optimistic for Roma's future, regardless of whether or not Jose Mourinho is a part of it. Like I, I think that, a lot of players who we can expect to be around for quite a while, including Lorenzo Pellegrini, including Brian Cristante, including Gianluca Mancini. I think that those guys have become more battle tested than quite honestly, most of Roma's players ever usually were over the Pelota era. And given that we need as many battle tested veterans as possible to like actually go deep in these competitions, like you're just, they're just developing a level of I've been there before and we can handle it that you need to find success, particularly in cup competitions. And that's what makes me kind of happiest about the past couple seasons of Roma football period. Yeah. So I think you, you hit it right there, right? Whether you're a Mourinho fan or not a Mourinho fan and the way he plays the style he plays one thing's for sure. He knows how to get deep into these competitions. And like we saw last year, once he gets deep, how to win them. We're all hoping he can do it again. He's halfway through the semifinal with a positive result. You know, Roma, anything could happen on the road, going to Leverkusen and up in Germany. And, you know, one fluke goal their way. And all of a sudden it's, it's back to all square. And, you know, you never know what could happen. But when Jose Mourinho is in charge of the, the club and he's pulling the strings, there's a reason he was brought in yeah. and you know, he might not play that La Magica football, like you said, but guess what? There wasn't much silverware gleaming from that La Magica in the past decade. There was no, there was decade zero. Actually, you had to go back about 13, 14 years to go find Roma's last trophy in that Copa Italia. So I'll take slightly less exciting football. If it means winning, 
And I know in the league, yes, they're still struggling to finish top four. And it's funny because there's a quote from Mourinho I'll read now in terms of that, because it's it's kind of like you gotta you gotta be happy with one or the other at this point, in his opinion. It's not yeah. possible with this roster to get both. He was asked post-match against Blown, you have many fans given up hope of qualifying for the Champions League by finishing in the top four. And he said the fans should pay heed to my words. When we were flitting uh, between second and third in the league for many weeks, I was constantly saying we should take things game by game. This is because when the fixtures started building up, we wouldn't have the resources to go all the way in both competitions. It's not like we made a choice between Serie A and the Europa League. It's been a case-by-case basis. That's always been our approach. I've been saying this for the last two to three months. So, you know, he said we didn't just toss Serie A for the Europa League, but now that push comes to shove, it's, I think, pretty evident that the only path forward is the Europa League, and that's what we saw with Saturday's lineup. Yeah, I know. I'd 100% go with that. And of course, you know, I'm I'm not the manager. The manager is basically saying that. So of course, I'm going to go with it. Um, but beyond that, I would also just add, um, there's something about the way that a lot of Serie A clubs operate regarding European competitions that really gets me down. And despite Roma's problems, in European competitions and I'm thinking about, you know, all the various drubbings that we've witnessed over the years, you can never criticize Roma as a club by saying that they never cared about those competitions. Yeah. And you can really criticize basically every other club, big club in Italy over the past decade for basically not caring about the competitions. Like Juve is the only one I can think of beyond Roma who consistently cared. And that's because they thought they could win the champions league. And it was always very humorous to see them not do it. Um, but the point being, it, both Milan clubs, Lazio, oh my God, Lazio so much. I was going to say that team in blue across the stadium. They just never seems to everything. give a crap. They yeah. never care about it. And call me, maybe this is an American mindset. I don't know. But like, they don't give you trophies for placing third. They don't give you trophies for placing second. And as much as I want Roma to win a Scudetto someday soon, very soon we had basically most of the 2010s where Roma was consistently getting second place in the league and it mm-hmm. did absolutely nothing in terms of developing a winning mentality it did absolutely nothing in terms of filling out Roma's silverware case and it did absolutely nothing in terms of selling Roma to the next generation of players and fans who are looking for a team to support or a team to play for um, you know why people like playing for Manchester City? You know why Holland went to Manchester City? Well, part of it's the ridiculous money. But another part is they win. You you want to know why people like playing for Barcelona or Bayern Munich? They win. And you know why there's so many stars who go like direct from Borussia Dortmund to Bayern Munich? It's because Borussia Dortmund's the second best club in the league. But then if Bayern calls your name, you say, I want to go win. And if Roma is able to build out even like the idea of being able to win a European competition, you're going to be able to get better players who will come in and then you'll be able to say, yeah, we're going to go win a title and props to Napoli because they are competing on two competitions. They're making something special over there in terms of like how unexpected their title win is. It's different from Leicester city's premier league win, but the fact that they've been so good all season in multiple competitions like, you got to respect it on a very deep level. It's such a nice change of pace. Even if I don't want Napoli to win, like, I can respect it. But that's not 
the typical way that you're able to build a title contender. Building a title contender takes time. It takes a lot of time. And nobody expected after losing so many key players over the past couple of seasons for Napoli to be as good as they are now. If we want Roma to be able to get there, the way we do it is by winning things like the Europa League first and consistently getting in the Champions League football and saying, look, you can come to Roma and win. It's not you can come to Roma and PSG will snap you up for 50 million euros or Liverpool will snap you up for 50 million euros. You got to you got to be able to sell Roma as a as a relatively final destination, not just a stepping stone to a Premier League side or a Champions League winning side. Yeah, for sure. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to continue the discussion about the winning and and the Leverkusen match. Okay. All right. So we're back. So Jim, I think you made some great points there. Now, it's funny you you brought that up because, you know, there's we finished second for so many years with Rome, right? We were always the the bridesmaid, they say, instead of the bride. And it was second to Juve every time or prior to that, it was Inter. And it's funny because on on my other podcast, Kicks and Picks, there's been a debate going around because we also talk a little bit about the Premier League and there's some um, United fans saying, you know, I'd rather be in United's position and, and win the Carabao Cup than be like Arsenal, who blew the lead to City and is now going to finish second. No trophies. Like, I'd rather win a trophy than than finish second and have nothing. Now, the, the caveat is if United, they were kind of teetering on maybe not finishing in the top four. So it was kind of like, would you take Carabao Cup and finish fifth and rather than second place and no no trophy? And to me, that in that case, I take second place and no trophy. But in Roma's case... I think I don't care if it's the Conference League, the Europa League. I'll finish fifth or sixth in the league to to lift a trophy, and especially for a club of Roma stature who does not win much, right? I think it's yeah. so important to win. I'll take that that Conference League trophy last year and finish sixth in that situation every time. Oh, without a doubt. And I would also say that just more broadly. If Rome was able to build up a side that's good enough to go deep in the Europa League, for example, and we know that they are because they have consistently been able to go deep in the Europa League, like they haven't won it yet, but a couple seasons back, they did get to the semifinal just like they did now. Um, If you're able to build a side that can consistently go win the Europa League, that gets you Champions League qualification. That gets you the money. And the carrot's still there. At the end of the day, what Roma needs more than anything else is consistent cash flow so that they're not stuck in a situation like they were all too often in the Pelota era where it was like, oh, wow, we have these world-class players. Financial fair play means that we have to sell them. And you need that not only in terms of making sure that your fan base can trust you on some level because, wow, did people get PTSD after losing practically every good player that was not Roman over the course of the 2010s. Um, they really did. And I did to a certain extent. Like, think about it. He didn't have the world-beating career that a lot of people thought he would when he was in Rome. But like, Eric Lamella, remember how heartbroken people were yeah. when, when he left for Tottenham? And he probably was like the fifth most impactful transfer out that Roma had in the 2010s. Like, I'm, I'm going through it, and I would say, like, Marquinhos, Alisson, and Salah are all in their own tier. They're, like, they're, they're the top three in my mind of, like, man, if we could have kept them for an extra five years, that would have been something special. Yeah, then I would, even think about, like, Pjanic, Rudiger, like, those exactly. players too, right? It, like, like, there are so many, like, you can say this as a compliment towards Roma's consistent scouting ability. Roma's never had a problem finding very talented players. 
Roma's had a problem keeping those very talented yeah. players. And the only way you're able to keep them in this day and age is if you're able to consistently qualify for the Champions League if you're Roma. Um, and that's true for most other sides too. Like, look at the mess that Chelsea's in at this point. If they're not able to qualify for something soon, then money will be drying up over there too. And mm-hmm. you need to win consistently. And I would much, I'm fine with getting to Champions League football by winning the Europa League and placing sixth in the league. Like, at the end of the day, as I said before, they don't give you a trophy for placing second. They don't. They don't give you a trophy for, for placing third. They give you a trophy for winning either the Scudetto, winning the Copa, or winning a European competition. And I want Roma to be at least very close to winning one of those three things every year. And the nice thing about the Mourinho era is that we have been close every year. We won the ECL last year, and we're very close to winning the Europa League this year. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's the type of club that I want to be supporting. One that can keep its players, and one that can have a puncher's chance at winning a title or a cup every year. Yeah, and we're not saying like, oh, our goal should be to finish fifth or sixth when the season starts because we're no. going to try to go far in this European competition. But if like in this situation this year, if you are sacrificing table position a little bit to, techni- to potentially win the Europa League and get a Champions League place that way, it, considering the way the table looked, I think it's worth it because Roma was by no means guaranteed finishing top four if they stopped gunning for the Europa League, right? They could have oh, easily not. done the same things against Atalanta, Inter, and Milan, and and taken two points out of nine and found themselves in the same position. Because at that point, especially with the Atalanta, you know, that was before they really got into the hot and heavy with Leverkusen, and so was the Milan match. And injuries kind of got in the way. And, you yeah. know, you think, like, if the Milan match ended a minute earlier, there's two more points. You know, they didn't give up the second goal to Monza. There's two more points. And then, then maybe you have an argument like, oh, you know, this Europa League could cost us top four. But like you said... You don't get anything. I'd rather finish fifth or sixth and hopefully, fingers crossed, win this Europa League and get cha- Champions League that way. Because to me, the winning that trophy for a club of Roma stature that does not win things very often is very important. Yeah. And then maybe there's a little more money to go around next year. I don't know what the financial fair play restrictions will be like with Champions League money coming in. But then maybe you could give Mar- Mourinho a couple more players added to this roster without selling any big pieces. Yeah, And then, then you let him cook a little bit and you see how high can he take them in the Serie A table? How far can he take them in the Champions League? Do I expect a Champions League semifinal run like ECL and, and Europa League? Probably not because there's there's better teams out there. But this Europa League is, is a tough competition this year. Mourinho said it many times. There's been yeah. teams dropping down from the Champions League. Leverkusen dropped down from the Champions League. Salzburg dropped down from Champions League. Roma's had to go through both of them if they can get to second. Roma is the only club left in the Europa League that did not drop down from the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Juve and Sevilla were both there this year, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, we'll get to those two clubs maybe at the end. Um, I don't want to jinx anything yet. But, yeah, I, I think now if Roma was in the position Napoli was in and, and maybe they were in a tight race for the Scudetto, would I sacrifice Europa League glory? Of course, because then the Scudetto's in play, right? But Roma was nowhere near challenging for a title this year they crashed out of the copa or fairly early again and i i think Mourinho's done exactly what he's had to do here and he really hasn't sacrificed the league until this past weekend in my opinion because he has not like thrown a match where he just said here youngsters go get it until now when he kind of know he's he's out of it and we've got to rest players for the second leg. yeah and i would just add as kind of a wrinkle to this there's no trophies for fourth place conversation that we've been having it's also an important reminder that 
compared to the 2010s era, Serie A's gotten a lot more competitive. And I'm not just mm-hmm. talking about Napoli winning the Scudetto. Like, the Milan clubs are back. Atlanta looks a lot weaker mm-hmm. than they used to be, but they're still not pushovers. Like, they're officially, like, seven clubs, I would say. Seven or eight clubs that are fighting for European qualification uh, in any given season. Um, and that just makes it more imperative for Roma to be one of the few clubs to actively look towards the European competitions as a way to get additional European qualification. Uh, you're not going to like as much, as much as you'd like to, you're not going to be able to guarantee that Roma's playing top four football every season. Like Roma will be building a side that can hopefully qualify for top four every season. And I'm looking forward to that happening. And I think it can happen. However, it's just the fact of the matter that even in the premier league, or especially in the Premier League, where there are like six or seven clubs who are what we would probably call like a top four side nominally, there's only four slots. And that kind of makes it imperative for Roma to go as deep in the Europa League as possible, to win the Europa League. And because the only way Roma, Serie A gets five slots is if Roma wins that Europa League. So I would say there's a real incentive for Roma to be the one Italian club who gives a crap about European competitions. Because I think that so many of the other clubs view it as a way to make additional money, um, but don't view it as a way to actually win anything. And the thing that I like about Roma recently is that they've really started to view it as a way to win something, as opposed to just a way to like, you know, improve their bank account by a little bit. Yeah. And I, I will say the other Italian teams this year seem to be taking it more seriously besides Lazio, um, because they, once they fell to the yeah. conference league, they kind of threw that. Um, and and on, on their part, they're probably going to finish top four because of that. So credit to them, I guess, for, for getting top four. They probably wouldn't have done that without crashing Yeah, but it sends the wrong league. lessons, man. I don't want yeah. that to be the lesson. Yeah. So, but everybody else, look, you got an Inter Milan Derby della Modena semifinal of the Champions League. So those clubs taking it seriously. Um, you've got Juve into the, into the semifinals in the Europa League. So they could have easily punted Europa League after Champions League you know, not qualifying, right? Cause they looked awful in the champions league. And then Fiorentina's in the semifinal. So it's, it's been a good year in Europe for city. But I, I agree historically uh, in the last five, six years, it's been Roma kind of carrying the torch. And that's one thing I've said to people who criticize Roma, you could criticize Roma for a lot of things. One thing you can't criticize them for as a city fan is that they don't try to put some good to the name of the club and, and the, the league in Europe that, that they have done. I would just say in general, that the one thing that you can never really criticize Roma for is trying like, They've got – there's a reason why Paolo Dybala, Tammy Abraham, Ed Dzeko, Enrique Mkhitaryan, all of these players who have played at big clubs before and then come to Roma, or even the players who go to big clubs afterwards. Like, let's talk about Mohamed Salah. Let's talk about Alisson, like Marquinhos. Like, they're very bound to this club because in terms yeah. of, like, the the intangibles. Or Rudi- Rudiger, oh my God. Mm-hmm. I swear there's not – like – this guy's played for Real Madrid. He's played for Chelsea. Like, he has played for the biggest clubs in the world. Without a doubt, like, every other interview, it feels like he says something along the lines of, yeah, I still love I still love Rome. Like, I still love those fans. And that's the type of thing, like, not to go off on too wild of a tangent, but think about all the problems that PSG has right now. They are a club with all the money in the world. Enough money to buy literally 
three of the best players of the last 20 years and one player who's going to be probably the next player, the best player of the next decade. And they can't win anything. And their fans are miserable because in part, I think they don't have those intangibles. They don't have those things that really bond a city to a club that bond fans to the club. Like, sure. They've got the Jordan kits that I always think look really cool, but they don't have the intangibles that Roma just so deeply represents. And I think it's a lot easier just in the same way that I think it's a lot easier to add flair to winning football. I think it's a lot easier to add winning to the deep bonds that a club like Roma already has. I think that it takes, ironically, it takes a lot, it'll take a lot more for Roma to get the winning football. And that's why I've been so excited by the Mourinho tenure. But when it comes to being a club that demands love and loyalty, I feel like Roma's already there. It's the winning that needs to come after that. And so that's kind of what makes Roma special. And that's, that's why, I mean, God, how many years have I been writing for CDT? Eight or nine years. Like, that's why I'm still doing it. Because if, if I was doing this for some club where it was kind of plasticky, I don't think I'd still be doing it. And Roma, for all its faults, is not plastic. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to think of the word when for when you were finished. I, I was thinking material. They're a very material club, but they're plastic, basically, right? It's like yeah. they're, they're living in that material world where they've kind of had to buy their stature. Man City's been the same thing. The difference is Man City plays in the Premier League, so they get a lot more exposure on a week-to-week basis than just the Champions League, and PSG hasn't done well in the Champions League. And City, that's kind of been their white whale, too. Like, these clubs that don't have the history behind them have had to buy their fans in a way, right? By buying the best players and by winning things and and winning the the Premier League and Ligue 1 are accomplishments. Don't get me wrong, because, you know, Roma hasn't won a Scudetto it's since I've been a fan, it's been 20, what, 22 years now. It's longer than I've been years. following the club consistently. Yep. But you're right. The, the passion of the, the Roma fan base, like many other clubs around Europe that haven't had the same level of success, right? You could talk about, you mentioned like Dortmund before. Dortmund's got those loyal fans. They've won more than Roma, so I'm not doing an apples to apples comparison. But those fans didn't have to be bought, right? I, yeah. I, RB Leipzig is, a, is an example in the, in the Bundesliga, I guess. They're kind of that money club now that, other clubs don't like because they're that plastic club, not to the level of PSG or City, but like every league seems to have them to an extent. Um, I, I guess Serie A doesn't really have one at this point. No, no, like the know, Inter, Inter, uh, Inter and Milan were both at one point owned by billions that kind of disappeared, apparently. Yeah. Um, but they had the history behind them that these other clubs don't. And they have. did have, yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, so I did say, I did hear that I think like uh, Palermo got bought. By they the got bought by the city group, yes. Yeah, so we'll they, that'll we'll that'll all, that'll be interesting. Um because yeah. they could, I could definitely see Palermo being being a new age man city for Serie A. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see down the line. But yeah, going back to PSG, it's you know when when I first started following Calcio and then obviously the Champions League as a part of it, you know you saw Marseille, Lyon, those were the clubs in in the Champions League from from Ligue 1. It wasn't PSG; they yep. had to buy that status. City was nobody, right? City was like yeah. a, a nothing club. It was all Manchester United, and they they bought fans and credit to to the Sheiks and and building it up in that sense. And they might win their first Champions League this year. It's very very possible. So maybe that changes their status a little bit. But I, I get what you're saying. Like Roma's got those fans, right? That are passionate about the club no matter what, and yeah. the big fan base. And 
and you you hear people on TV. Mike Grella said it. Matteo Bonetti said it. People that have been to to Rome or people that have family in Italy, and you ask like, oh, who's you know Zio? Who's the the best place to watch a, a match? And and Grella's asked somebody in his family, and they said Rome's the best place to watch a match. It's not the the Allianz. It's not the San Siro. It's, it's the Olimpico when Rome was playing it. And that is the other thing. Mourinho has brought that passion back along with yep. the reduced ticket prices from uh, yep. the Freedkins. Credit to them. Tip, tip the cap. When everything else is getting more expensive, they've made it more accessible to the fans, which is how it should be. Yep. Um, and and I think real. Vince, like, this has always been true for, for stadiums, especially a stadium that you don't own. You're making yeah. way more money off the TV deal. Especially, like, oh, yeah. in, in, in sports these days, the TV deal is how you make money. Like, sure, you, you love to bilk somebody 20 bucks for a beer when you're at the at a sports game but like the money is coming from the tv deal mm-hmm. and for the freakings to recognize that and say look we need we need butts and seats more than we need an extra god knows how many thousand euros, euros every week yeah exactly yeah, yeah. right like like at the end of the day roma gets a lot more out of having a full stadium than they do getting an extra twenty thousand euros or whatever like like I, I don't know how much the prices have been cut, but I can tell you that in terms of building a stronger bond with even it's an even stronger bond between the city and the club, having the tickets be accessible is a huge deal. And when Roma builds a new stadium, which fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, can't get fooled again. Um, I, I'm not, I'm hoping that that new stadium can actually happen. We've been seeing a lot of green check lights we've been uh, green check lights what am i saying been seeing a lot of green lights uh going in the direction of getting a new stadio della roma i'm i'm cautiously optimistic uh but when that happens it'll be even better if we can get rid of that track and field ring around the stadium like and bring the the fans even closer because yeah there's just a special bond obviously and Francesco Totti once talked about how the how winning one Scudetto in Rome is like winning five for Juventus. Mm-hmm. I buy that. Yeah. Part of me wants, part of me wants it to be so that by the time that I am ten years older than I am now, that's no longer a thing. Like I want Roma to be winning enough that that ceases to be as yeah big of a phenomenon. And honestly, I think sometimes Roma has eaten itself and eaten its young in part yes. because of how intense the pressure is to win without the winning happening ever. Um, but at the same time, that's again, something that you can't replicate with just funneling billions and billions of euros into a team. And I'm, I, I was blown away last year when Roma won the Europa conference league because Wow! Did Rome explode? Yeah, and yeah, it's something bigger. If it's something bigger, I I think it'll be even bigger. And I can't. I'm hope. I'm hopeful it'll happen. Yeah. So we're gonna move on to the to the Thursday's match. We'll preview that a little bit to close the episode. But first, we got to take one more commercial break, and then we'll be right back. All right, Jim. So we've talked a lot about what we want from Roma, which is more trophies, right? And the next step toward that is is by getting the job done in Leverkusen against the, the German side. Um, I'm going to read a Mourinho quote in a second, but first, just a couple of little interesting tidbits they have up on Google. They have these little match previews with some some like you know stats from matches between teams and things like that. Yeah. Um, some some things playing in Roma's favor. 
Uh, they've won a- after winning the the first leg. Uh, Leverkusen is now winless against Roma in their last four European matches: two draws, two losses. So anything with Roma winning or drawing would be good enough to get through. The last time um, they 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 got a result against Roma was the first European match from these clubs back in October '04. Um, Leverkusen has only progressed once from their la- uh, last 11 two-legged major European competition when they lose the first leg. Um, but the other one was this year in, against Monaco. So that they, this version of Leverkusen, I guess, has kind of bucked that trend. Um, Roma in this, in this, uh, has a chance to go to the Europa League final. Last time they've been to a final, this version of the competition was the UEFA Cup in 1991. Um, and here's one on Roma. They've progressed from 23 of their last 25 two-legged ties in major European competitions when winning the first leg. I'm going to ask you a quick trivia. Can you guess the two times? It's pretty much been in, in our time as, as supporters of the club. At least the first one was definitely my time. The second one was definitely in your time. Can you think mm-hmm. of uh, – both in Champions League, can you think of when they won the first leg and lost the second to crash out? Hmm. Hmm. One was fairly recent. I'll give you a hint. Zaniolo featured heavily in the first leg victory. Was this... You know, I try to black out some of these events from my brain. <laughs> uh, when, they, when, they, when, when the bad ones really happen, I try to forget. Uh, for some reason, my mind keeps coming back to Manchester United. Um, United was the first one. The, the drumming. Was, was, was it the seven one? Yeah, I was going to yes. say that, that was probably the, because the that's the thing one. I think everybody forgets is Roma won the first leg. I think it was two one the first leg. I think they yeah. won at the Olympic one. Then they got absolutely drubbed. I remember watching that game on my study abroad. Yep. Uh, it was my spring break on study abroad, so I was in Barcelona watching this match. One of like two Roma fans in this uh, like Irish pub type place. That was not fun. Yeah, and the other one, the one I referenced with Zaniola, was this, the year after the Barcelona comeback. It was against Porto in the round of 16 where they won oh. at the Olympico. The, the Zaniola brace, it felt like that was like Zaniola's real coming out party. And I then, forgot uh, about that not going yeah. well after that. Yeah. I remember. I just remember the brace. Huh. Yeah. And they now, now, now I feel bittersweet about the brace, too. That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. And then the last the, uh, little little stat here. Roma have won two of their last 15 matches in Europe away to German opponents. One draw, 12 losses. Um, yeah, you know, but those, are, those are historical Munich. trends. So we're not going to – yeah, Bayern <laughs> probably featured heavily in there. Yeah. Um, but no, this is how Mourinho is looking at it. He was asked, how important is Thursday's match? He said, we've had a great campaign. You can say what you want and draw your conclusions from how it all ends, whether we reach the final or not whether we finish fourth or seventh. However, the lads have pushed themselves to their limits overall this season. For that, I have no complaints. Today was a tough match against a well-organized side. We picked up a point and weren't under the cosh, whatever that uh, translation is. It must be a British term. In fact, Andrea Belotti had a great chance to make it one nothing. We weren't awarded a clear penalty. The lads did great. And he was asked if Rome was in good shape going into Thursday's match. Um, will he be welcoming any players back? He said Jeannie Winhaldum is fully back in the fold, which was pretty clear on Saturday. We agreed to give him just over an hour of game, but I took him off earlier because when Sleek got injured, I thought it was better to do all three substitutions at once. So Ginny is fit, but there are doubts over Sleek. There are massive question marks over Paulo's participation. So with that in mind, it's looking like there was not even a mention of Smalling or Lorente. I'm guessing Tristante is probably in that back line with Mancini and Ibanez at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably looking at Matic and Winhaldum in the center of the park at this point. Um 
if Salik has doubts, then it probably becomes Zalewski and Spinazzola. If they decide to play cautious with Dybala and maybe save him as that wild card if they need a goal late in the match, then you're probably looking at, what, um, Pellegrini. Maybe with – it could be Winhaldum sliding up next to him and playing Bove, or it could be Winhaldum sitting deeper and uh, you could play the, the the double striker look again like they did the first leg. So those are really the only options if those center backs are out, I think. Yeah, I mean uh... – that's not going to be great. I can't figure out if I'm less excited about having both of those center backs out or having Dybala be out. But I think, honestly, that let's give Cristante some credit. He's Mourinho's favorite for a reason. Um, I think that he's shown an ability to rise to the occasion and play out of position as a center back and succeed. Uh, I Would I prefer to have Smalling there? Of course. But at the same time, actually, I can say that I trust Brian back there. Um, it does get dicey with depth there, of course. And that's yeah. the thing. That's the biggest thing that worries me that I like Ibanez and Mancini, but they're not necessarily the most level-headed guys all the time. And if one of them gets fiery or makes a stupid challenge, uh, what happens there? That's my worry. Um, that's my biggest honestly that's my biggest worry about this match period that someone's going to do something incredibly stupid and it's going to bring Roma down to 10 men in a position in a moment where they really can't and fire's going to Leverkusen's going to smell blood and that'll be it like I think that if Roma can keep their foot on the pedal and or even just play good defensive football for 90 minutes I think that they get through to the final the way that that doesn't happen is if they make a dumb mistake. If they make a dumb mistake or somebody gets injured or something like that. Like, I, that's really how I see this playing out. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing Roma has to their advantage, of course, is the goal advantage, right? But you don't want to rely too heavily on sitting back too early. I don't think with just a one goal advantage, because like you said, one stupid mistake, you know, somebody makes a bad defensive play, um, you know, I'm not targeting Zalewski, but I think of him because he's not really a defender. We've seen him kind of get caught out once in a while. We've seen some other players get caught out at times. And um, I, I agree, though. Credit to Cristante. He's got the most minutes played by any outfield player on this team. He has become indispensable for Mourinho. So for all of the people that do criticize him, and at times he does deserve criticism. I'm saying he's a perfect player. But there's a reason why a, a legendary manager like Mourinho plays him match in and match out. A player like yeah. De Rossi said he'd take 11 Cristantes on the pitch as his teammate every time, right? Like, yep. there, there's a reason for this. And yeah. certainly he's not a perfect player by any means because if he was no. that good, he'd probably be out Playing of somewhere else, somewhere else yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if he was that good, he'd be at Juventus at this point. Let's spe- especially given his yeah. versatility and, and everything else. Um, but he, he's done well in, the, in in this role so far. And I think if Mancini and Ibanez can play at a, a, a good level – um, it makes his job a little bit easier. And, you know, Patricio obviously has to be on his game because we've seen him make make blunders at times in goal. But it's going to be a short bench. If Smalling is not back or Lorente is not back, the bench is short. Mourinho's only going to trust so many players because you got to remember, Solbach is not available because of FFP regulations for this competition. So it really limits who he has on the bench. You don't have that attacking option, especially with El Shirari out injured. Um you know, he carried some of the injured players on the bench the, the first leg, but the only two that came off the bench were when Haldeman and Dybala for the last 15-ish minutes. Um, you know, the rest of the bench was that some of the kids we saw the other day, Kamara, Tahirovic, 
and Zalewski was on the bench. And then, you know, he dressed El Shirari and Smalling and um, Karsdorp. And these guys were dressed, but they were unavailable to play. So um, that might have just been a numbers game with UEFA. Maybe that was the match um, El Shirari was warming up. It might have been Thursday's match that we saw him. Mm, like, yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. Um, you know, so unless someone surprises us, unless something develops in training over the next couple of days, I think the lineup is going to be, it's going to be whoever those 11 are. And then maybe you, maybe you hold that Dybala card if there really are doubts for potential extra time or something, if that, if, if that's the way it plays out, but, um, there's not gonna be a lot of options that, that that's for sure. It's going to really come down to, I think how Mourinho manages this match his usual man management, getting these guys ready. I mean, there's not much to have to get a team hyped up to try to get to a European final, but I think he'll find the words because that that's what he's been good at for his whole career. And um, one thing's for sure, he's going to be ready from a, a tactical standpoint. Yeah, without a doubt. And I would just say that this is a moment where it's very helpful that Eduardo Bove has been slowly but surely developing into a rotation player. Yeah. Uh, I imagine where we would be if he was just one of, one of the countless primavera guys who got thrown into that bologna match for example the fact that we can basically say like okay he can start with wynaldum and it'll probably be fine is valuable and not only that but he scored in the first leg like i don't expect him to score again if he starts but like still he's showing himself to be a key part and again i've said this on i'm beating a dead horse over here but the way roma's going to be able to have long-term success is by taking Bove's and turning them into starting material or at the very least rotation material because Roma needs to have that depth and the depth doesn't grow on trees. Uh, yeah. So, so like I'd feel a whole lot less confident about this match if we didn't have Bove in the midfield rotation. I was impressed with what I saw from Selleck, uh in the first leg, where did is he out? Out or are we going to be? Do we think we'll be able to see he him? Or there kind of questions. He said there were questions over him. Okay. To me, I think if he's fit enough to play, I think he starts over Zalewski because he offers more of a defensive uh, stability. Yeah, I, I would agree. And just in general, I would say that I feel like I've been more impressed with him recently than than prior. Like I feel like he's been he's been coming out and looking quite good over the course of the past month or so in a way that I hadn't been seeing prior to this. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that that's a positive sign for the long term because again, we need these guys, especially with with Karsdorp out. Like we need as yeah. many pl- players who can play right back as possible. Um, and I'll be saying until I'm blue in the face, Zalewski is many things. He's definitely not a right back. So, so <laughs> like, and like that's been the sad thing. Like I feel like he's gotten a lot of criticism, and part of it's valid, but the other part is like, not only is he being played as a fullback. He's playing as a fullback on his like his least favorite side of the pitch to play because he can play in yeah. the center and he can play in the left, but he's playing as a right back a lot. And yeah. you wonder why he's not performing as well. Maybe it's because he's playing defensively and on the right. Um, but yeah, uh, if Selleck's able to come in, that'll be huge. Um, and if Spinazzola is able to put in a good, good shift again, that'll also be huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I, I, I think we we figure Roma's going to play fairly defensively. They, they, they've done that all season. Now it's just a matter of holding out. I, if Roma can get the first goal, I will be super confident that they will be able to finish the job. Um, I, I kind of hope we could get one before them, obviously, and then before halftime would, would be very nice. Um, if Leverkusen scores first, maybe it gets a little nervy, but we'll see how it plays out. Now, you mentioned Juve earlier, Jim, and Sevilla. I just want to ask you, if Roma's able to get 
through to the final. Th- that those are the the choices for the opponent, right? They they played a one one draw up in Turin um, in the first leg. Juve got a very late goal from Gatti. Would you prefer to have a crack at Juve in a European final or a revenge game against Monchi? I would much prefer a revenge game against Monchi. Um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning the same way. <laughs> let me just put it this way. Over the years, Juventus has gotten so much crap about not winning European competitions. So much crap. Um, and a lot of it's deserved because they've done stupid things like sign Ronaldo and sign so many superstars. And it's not actually like, sure, you were able to win Serie A when it was kind of weak eight times in a row with Roma being your main competition and oh yeah we sold our best player every summer so like is it really that impressive that you were beating us each time i don't think so um but they've never been able to translate it to european glory and i hope that sevilla can do the dirty work for us and get them out of the way because i do not necessarily want to see an allegri Mourinho blood fest um (laughs) in the final that could be some of the most disgusting football it could be pretty ugly that could be 120 minutes of grinded out uh to get to penalties at zero zero it really could yeah that could be disgusting and also like i don't really care too much about the munchie element of it at this point like i think about him like a really bad ex-girlfriend but like a really bad ex-girlfriend from several years ago and you're dating someone that you're happy with now so it's like yeah not someone that you think about anymore. I don't think about Monchi anymore. I think about like having Mourinho. I think about having Thiago Pinto. Like I'm satisfied with the leadership that we have at the club level now. So like, I'm not constantly thinking, man, if only Monchi hadn't totally screwed us over, which he kind of did, but again, not the point. So like for me, I'd rather face Sevilla I think that Roma can win against either, but like I would feel more confident against Sevilla. And a lot of that also just does come down to over a decade plus of PTSD of going up against Juventus in like key matches and it being kind of shady and losing one zero most of the time. Yeah. And and you don't want to lose them in a European final. You really don't. No, no. You, the, the slander would be historic if, if, if we did. So, but Roma's taking the title anyway. So we don't, yeah, exactly. Hey, again, I mean, hey, look, Brandon's not here. We can be ridiculously optimistic, right? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm going to go knock on some wood after we finish recording. But, uh, you know, I do feel pretty good about our chances. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to Thursday. I'm looking forward to hopefully Roma getting the job done. Guess what? If it ends up being a boring match, the more boring it is, it's probably better for Roma at this point with the one nothing lead. So we'll, we'll see. I don't want to say I'm ex- expecting a, an exciting match because that might be – uh, in the wrong way for Roma if it gets yeah. too exciting. But I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Roma hopefully getting the job done and, and taking care of business. And in another couple of weeks, we could be here talking about, you know, we're prepping for a European final on the 31st. And that, that would be, that'd be a great thing. So I guess we'll leave it there, Jim. Um, you know, we got the coverage coming up, the regular match day coverage, the probables and the preview. And if you uh, didn't get a chance to check out the q and I did with the UK Lever- Leverkusen fan club last week, you get a little more, about the club from that and uh you know we look forward to coming back and hopefully talking about a win and uh whatever happens it's Laranitana happens at this point i'm just looking forward to thursday same so, and i would just yeah, yeah just one last thing if any of you buy any pharmaceutical products from bear for the next week <laughs> I'm, you're no longer welcome to listen <laughs> to this this podcast 
you, we no are, aspirin we are, this week. We're no aspirin this week from Bear. You can you can buy <laughs> you can do the you can do the generics. Find generics yeah. actually, just as a good rule of thumb, buy generics in general. But like, please do not do not endorse that this German multinational pharmaceutical for at least until Thursday. <laughs> at least until we're done with the club they own. Yeah, exactly. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you again next week, hopefully with Roman a European final.